The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! What I think is really useful and always useful for me, especially being so passionate about what I do and so pumped about it, was to think about problems. Forget the solutions, like really what are the stuff? So instead of like me trying to hammer people as like mushrooms are awesome, which they are, still like I was like, hey, what are the problems that people have? Like lack of energy, for example, or people love having, for example, coffee, but they get jitters and they get heartburn, right? So in Finland, we drink more coffee than any other nation in the world, about three times more than Americans, which is insane, right? And in the Second World War, we were attacked both by the Russians and the Germans, and we ran out of coffee beans. So we started brewing this mushroom that grew in our forest in a tree called chaga, and we made like a coffee substitute. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes sense. And I knew the research that it has tons of minerals and antioxidants, like a cup of chaga would equal to like 30 pounds of carotene antioxidants. And combining half and half of coffee and chaga made total sense. And instead of trying to sell people this chaga mushroom they've never heard of, even if they're super health conscious maybe, it's like, hey, do you drink coffee? Yeah. Do you ever get the jitters? Do you get like heartburn? Sure. Like try this and feel it on your body and see how you feel. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential Him and Her Show. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for joining. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Taro Isocopola. That's a hard one. Who is the founder of Four Sigmatic. On this episode, we discuss how to create your own category for your online business and brand, the benefits of functional mushrooms, essentials to e-commerce, success, failure, and how to heal your skin with food. If you're new to the show, I'm Lauren Everts. I'm the creator of The Skinny Confidential. The Skinny Confidential is a blog, a book, and a podcast, and it's become a resource for women all over the world, which has turned into this incredible online community. And I'm Michael Bostick. I'm an entrepreneur and business operator. What the hell has been going on, Lauren Everts Bostick? Well, a lot of margaritas. A lot of margaritas. A lot of chips and salsa. We are back from Cabo down there celebrating Lauren's birthday. We promised that we would tell them what happened before we went to Cabo, like right when we were about to go. So I'll let you just no, kind of stick your to tongue. Come on, go oh on. my God, guys. I, you know, I think <laughs> I need more help. I need to hire a couple more people to help me out. I am stretched too thin. I did something that I cannot believe that I did. And let me preface this, you guys, with he never, ever, 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 ever does this. So this is extremely out of character. Well, for those that know me and know me from the show and know me just in general, this was a nightmare scenario for me. Yeah, it was. So listen, I've been working a lot um, and I've been putting in a lot of hours. And so when we were booking the flights um, to Cabo, a little spread thin, we were booking the flights to Cabo when I was booking the flights to Cabo. We were going to leave from the San Diego airport, which is SD, and um, flying to Cabo. And when I was doing it, in the middle of it, I got called into a meeting. So I left it midway through without completing the booking. And then when I came back, I must have accidentally hit the one right below, which is, what is that, SF for San Francisco. And then for the, the one time that I didn't have anybody entered in my calendar and didn't look at it myself, I am almost embarrassed to say, but I booked the fucking flight from... Instead of San Diego to Cabo, from San Francisco to Cabo. Okay, so let me set the scene. I'm all dressed up. I'm looking so cute because it's my birthday. 
Michael's supposed to have like kind of a moment with me. He's dressed up. We're all ready. We have our luggage. We're good to go. We're on time. He's dragged me outside. Like he, he's running to the airport. He's ready to go. We get to the stand at the front with all of our bags. And what did they say, Michael? They said, sir, this flight leaves from San Francisco and you're in San Diego. And I knew immediately that I fucked up. And I don't want to drag this story out for too long because it's not I'm that I'm not going to drag it out. I'm just going to tell you this, that I had to get down to Cabo. There, there was no way that I wasn't going down there because I had work down there for the first day. And I wanted to celebrate my birthday and get buzzed and just relax. And it's, so, it sounds like an easy fix, but the problem was we were on Alaska and they ran out of flights and then I had to put you on Southwest and then they ran out of those flights. Tell so then, them what you had to do. Well, then I had to Uber up to LA and then I had to leave from LA. Anyways, it took me 12 hours to get to Cabo. Very embarrassing. Guys, this could happen to anyone. Um, check your flights. If you guys don't, don't understand Michael and my husband, how he is with time, he was, he was whining and panting and sweating. Upper lip was perspiring. At least I got to go down to Cabo right away. Anyway, that was our day. Uh, went to Cabo. It was amazing. Palmia um, was just incredible, as always. If you guys go down to Cabo, you have to check it out. We were down there to celebrate my birthday, but mainly to relax, to take a break off social media, to take a break off the phone, to take a break off the computer. A lot of people were asking. I didn't post one picture. I didn't post one story because I needed a tech break, right? And I, my dream is and my dream's been this year to take a few days and have no interactivity with any technology. So that's exactly what I did. I just stayed there and read. I'm reading a book called Mastery by Robert Greene, and I meditated, and I worked out every day, and I just chilled out and drank margaritas. And I think it's so important to take breaks once in a while. We're so connected to this phone and the computer all the time that, you know, that three day, three to four days, I feel like I'm like fully reset and ready to kick ass again. But I needed a break. For the first time in eight years, I didn't look at my email for five days straight, which is really nuts. Now, when I came back to my email five days later, that was an avalanche, but that's okay. <laughs> no, but you know what? We were talking about this. I think like the inbox is not a space that you have to feel like you have to work in, right? It's a, it's a space to be productive. I think that the email inbox has become a place where people feel like they can come in and ask for things. And I'm not saying that that happens to us. It happens to everybody. I think if anybody who's managing an inbox don't feel obligated to respond to everything while you want to respond, but try to respond to productive things, right? If it's like cousin Joe asking for a cup of coffee or it's somebody asking to submit something to you, or if it's somebody asking you to do something on their time, like you really need to ask yourself, is this productive for what I'm trying to do for my business, for my brand, for my job, whatever it is. And if it's not, then really question if it's useful to respond. Because what happens is when you res when you feel like you have to respond to everyone and then you can't follow through with a commitment to that response, then you're letting people down. I completely agree with you. And what I've done that's really, really helped if anyone's out there and they're managing a business is I've created sub emails. So I have Ask Lauren for any questions like audience questions. We have a podcast email to book podcasts. We have uh, a support email. We have a newsletter email and we have a presence email for giveaways. And so what that does is when I get into my inbox, I can just forward those out. So that clears it up. And then anything that Mike, like Michael said, isn't contributing to growing the business. It's more working in the business. I try um, to get to it later or just not answer it. I also have this thing called unroll me. You guys have to try it. It's amazing. This isn't an ad. I'm just telling you, you need it. And basically it goes through your inbox and you can pick what you want to be in this one email a day. So say, you're subscribed to 100 newsletters, instead of getting 100 emails, you would just get one and it would streamline everything. You know what else we did in Cabo? What? 
Oh, you're talking about me getting lucky. Or are you getting lucky? Why are you smiling like that? I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking I'm going to get lucky again. <laughs> Probably not. A lot of rose petals all over the bed. A lot of bubble bass. <laughs> a lot of woo. A lot of woo. We brought woo down there. And if you're wondering, woo is an all-natural lube that's made up of four main ingredients, which we love. Organic coconut oil, beeswax, a little stevia, and a tiny bit of vanilla. It's really perfect. It's just all the things everyone loves. And... Why I loved it, especially on my birthday in Cabo, is because... I loved it because you'll use it with me. (laughs) It's edible. And it really does make sex better. Some people were saying, I don't need lube. It's not that you need it. It's that it enhances the sex. So think of it like a fake eyelash, okay, when you're doing your makeup. Like you do your makeup, you can curl your lashes, you can put your mascara on. But when you add a fake lash, it's just like that extra pop. But guys, don't get lazy out there because we were down there with our friend Arielle and she was saying that... Um, Juicy Joe. Juicy Joe. He just... Juicy Joe's her her, uh, fiance. But Ariel was saying that Joe needs to put more effort in because he just pulls out the woo and that means it's time to go. So guys, if you're out there, I love that you're using the woo, but you still have to, you know, get your woman in the mood. Put some effort into it. Don't Don't be like DJ Cal. Yeah. Don't just pull out the woo. Yeah. Come on now. Anyway, all of our friends have tried it and they tell us that it's changed their sex life, honestly. And it's definitely enhanced ours. I feel like it's a good gift for boyfriends, girlfriends, bachelorette parties. Get creative with it. So we have a new promo code for all TSC listeners. And for those of you who have already used it, you can use this code too. So if you've already gotten frisky in the sheets with Woo, you can still use this code. The code is him and her for 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. All you have to do is go to www.wooforplay.com and enter code him and her at checkout. Again, that's wooforplay.com promo code him and her for 20% off and free shipping. Enjoy, get frisky, use it anywhere. The way I like to use woo is I like to start with a massage and see where things end up. You never know, but the point is- Or where things end up. (laughs) All right, we're kind of on and off with the him and her tip because sometimes we're feeling it and sometimes we're not. This week we are feeling it. So my him tip this week- Um, comes from our conversation with Tara, which you're going to hear soon. So in this episode with Tara, we talk a lot about customer feedback and particularly customer reviews and how a company can benefit from reading a particular set of reviews. And it also got me thinking about how we take feedback from our peers in our personal lives or in our business lives. So you're going to have people in your life that are constantly giving you great feedback, telling you how great you are, telling how awesome you're doing, telling how great your idea is and how wonderful everything you do is. And those are typically probably like the grandparents, maybe your parents, maybe your best friends. And then we're also going to have the people um, who are giving us constant negative feedback. I'm sure we all have somebody like that in our life who's constantly telling us how terrible we are and how fucked up everything is that we do. And with those people, you kind of want to zone them out. But I'd also say you want to zone out a little bit of what the other side of that is too, which is the people that are telling you how great you are. Um, because when you're hearing both sides of the spectrum from extremes to extremes on how great and how bad, it kind it, it doesn't really give you an accurate depiction of what of how you're really behaving and how you're really performing. So I think it's really important for us to take both of those with a grain of salt. What we really need in our life is three to four people that will give us honest and true feedback. So maybe that's, you know, 
a relative or a best friend that you can really sit down and say, hey, how am I really performing in this area? Or how am I really behaving? Or how am I acting in this relationship? And have them really give you true feedback. And that may sting and it may hurt. But from that feedback, if you're if you practice a little bit of self-awareness and you're open to a little bit of criticism and learning, you'll be able to really adjust and alter your behavior or your interactions to improve yourself. I think, you know, if you go through life with someone patting you on the back and telling you how great you're all the time, you can, it's difficult to grow. And same way, if someone's telling you how terrible you are, it's, it's difficult to go there. So what you're going to, what you want to find is that true, honest, sweet spot in the middle. And to do that, you have to really get with some people that you really trust and say, Hey, buddy, I really need you to tell me how I'm acting in this instance or how I'm behaving or how my performance is and take that feedback and really, really listen to what they're saying and work on improving. So I guess what I'm saying is don't believe all the praises and don't believe all the negative, but really try to find that sweet spot. Think about it as like if it was a three-star review on your life and from there you can grow. Okay. My tip is a kind of a plot twist from that. It has to do with Instagram. So when I went to Cabo, I decided that I wanted to put a twist on my Instagram feed. And so I think it's really important to make sure that you're evolving as a blogger or a creator. I know we get really stuck in our colors and our brand and our fonts, and that's really, really important. But at the same time, you want to find this happy medium where you're able to evolve. So I always like to say that I always want my content to get better. I never want it to get worse, obviously, but I never want it to stay stagnant. So I sat down with my photographer and I sat down with um, a Pinterest board and some pictures that I had screenshotted that I liked for inspiration. And I decided to kind of really pay attention to how I would take this trip and evolve my Instagram feed. Now, if you're rolling your eyes, don't because an Instagram feed, in my opinion, is your resume of 2018. Okay. It's very, very important when you're building a brand. It's what people look at and, and it's a choosing to follow you or unfollow you or consume your content or not consume your content. And like it or don't, it's where consumer attention is. So I wanted to give you guys some tips on how I kind of evolved my Instagram feed while I was on vacation. And maybe these will inspire you to kind of shake up your Instagram feed. Again, I'm going to constantly keep it evolving and never never really try to focus on getting stagnant, but more um, growing exponentially. So the first thing is you always want to match your mood. So if you're on vacation and you're in Cabo, it's going to be different than if you're on vacation and you're in London, right? London is a different story than Cabo. So make sure you're telling your story. With me, I wanted to wear a lot of neons in Cabo. I felt like that went with the vibe of Cabo and it really it really told the story. We also added light flares and some of you guys were asking. The ones that we used were from KD Pro, KD Pro or Huji, and that's H-U-G-I. You could use either one, and they're going to give you those light flares. It's also going to give you the date on the picture with Huji. I know that that's super popular. You could do that too. Another tip is to make sure you're color correcting your images before you use the filter. So you want to do a lot of white balance. Lately, I've been doing my tint a little bit pinker, but you want to make sure you're matching your brand. So maybe your brand has a lot of blue in it. Just really pay attention to, to the brand that you want to convey to your audience. 
Also, what I like to do is I like to use this app called Snug. And what Snug does is it lays out your entire Instagram feed before you post. So you can really see that that everything is flowing. Again, you want to tell that story. And with Snug, you can see if you're doing too many selfies in a row, you know, you don't you don't want to do that. You want to mix it up. You want to show the full picture. You want to show what you're eating. You want to show what you're doing. You want to tell that story through your Instagram aesthetic. For editing apps, I highly recommend Visco, Facetune, Snapseed, Darkroom, A Color Story, KD Pro, like I said, or InShot for Instagram stories. InShot is going to give you that look for Instagram stories where you can post multiple pictures on one slide. That's a great tip for anyone out there who's a blogger or an influencer. Check out that app. If you want more Instagram tips, head over to my Instagram, which is at the skinny confidential and click the photo of me wearing a pink long sleeve shirt. I did a full breakdown on it. Taro Isocopola is the creator and founder of Four Signatic, which is a company that specializes in superfoods, medicinal mushrooms, and adaptogenic herbs. Taro was born in Finland and grew up on a farm that his family owned since the early 1600s, where he learned to forage for mushrooms and learn about the natural food space. As the founder of Four Sigmatic, he is making functional mushrooms accessible to any and everyone. Four Sigmatic products have now been used by over a million customers in over 65 countries. Taro is also a best-selling author and a total entrepreneurial ninja. With that, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Taro Isocopola. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. So tell us about your childhood. Uh, I grew up in a small country in Northern Europe called Finland. Some people know it, some people don't. It's next to Sweden. We were part of Sweden for a long time. And uh, the town where I grew up is called Nokia, which is one of the world's most famous small towns. Nobody knows it's from Finland or it's a town, but the mobile phones made it famous. And I am a 13th generation family farmer and from Nokia, Finland. Or 13th generation, was it? how far does that go back? 16? Well, 1609, we know for sure. Might be longer, but like our old capital got burned. From Finland to mushrooms. Well, mushrooms in Finland, right? Mushrooms in Finland, exactly. So my mom taught me foraging and our whole family's been foraging. I went to an environmental school where we forage for berries, mushrooms, shoots, leaves, whatnot. Showered in spring water, made nests for owls and stuff. And that's where it started. And about my passion was always like optimal human performance. And I was interested in like I studied chemistry first and then nutrition. And that was my passion. I wanted to become a professional soccer player. Got two knee injuries, but I was never bummed because I was never that good. But a few of my friends wore and they got into became professional athletes and I started coaching professional athletes, models, whatnot. And then about 13 years ago, randomly discovered a rare mushroom growing in Finland and the government gave me money. <laughs> so whoa, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> are, you just, are you like walking around and you see a mushroom on the ground? Like one day you're just yeah, out what do you foraging. Mean just, how do you discover a mushroom? Yeah. I love that we could say you were foraging. I've never, I've never actually got to hang out with somebody that's fo- that's foraging. So. so we should go foraging. Yeah, you can I'd get, you can to. do it anywhere in the world. We can go get sage or something like that. Okay. So we don't have to do mushrooms. We can get something else. I okay. love it. So, so you're foraging and you just discover a mushroom. How do you know it's something that's going to have these magical powers? Uh, so it's actually started as a joke. I found it with a friend. It's actually a really geeky mushroom story. So I don't want to bore people with that. I want to really <laughs> give people something of value. But it, it's um, there's a lot of mushrooms in the world. Most of them are undiscovered. Even the ones I discovered get renamed all the time, and that's just normal. You know, science or biology are not the truth. They're the discovery of truth, and the truth constantly changes. So if something is scientifically valid, might not be scientifically valid anymore a year, 
year from now. Same with mushrooms or, or plants. Sometimes they get renamed. Like one mushroom I've been working with the last 10 or so years have been renamed three times within this 10 years. So that happens. So anyway, found this mushroom as a joke entered an innovation contest. The, the Nordic countries really support entrepreneurship and uh, they gave me money and I was pumped because I was young and I was like, oh, free money. And then they wanted to fund the business, but I ended up donating it to a university because it was meant to serve Michelin star restaurants with really, really expensive mushrooms. And my passion was always serving the people and like a lot of in like more mainstream ways, you know, so. So let's talk, I, I know you get asked this question a lot, but let's talk why mushrooms and how do you figure out which mushrooms? Yeah, so mushrooms or fungi are a kingdom so they're not plants. Plants are an own kingdom. Animals are a kingdom. Bacteria is a kingdom. And fungi is one kingdom. And any balanced diet should have diversity. So often we talk about the battle. Should you eat plants? Should you eat meat? You know, how much? What's the animal plant-based ratio? And we often forget bacteria and fungi. And they're actually very synergistic. For example, gut health, from kombucha to making beer, wine, yeasts are in the, in the fungi family. So you eat mushrooms every day, even if you don't know, for sure. And, but there's certain types, like with every kingdom, there's the best of the best, the creme de la creme, you know? It's not like all mushrooms are good. Actually, some mushrooms are really bad for you, but the best of the best mushrooms are actually incredibly nutrient dense. Like they're within the top 50 most researched foods in the world. There's multiple mushrooms and you can use them for skin, stress reduction, brain power, energy, a lot of stuff that nobody never needs, right? <laughs> I have to ask this because I'm just wondering, and this might be not even related, but is shrooms in this category, like the drug that people do? Well, um, so magic mushrooms, or commonly shrooms, is definitely affects your body and your you know, physiology. And um, the most common one, the psilocybin, is not really legal right now. So um, if you, the official verdict is that it is not good for you, and then there's another one called Amanita muscaria that is legal, but it's actually more poisonous than the psilocybin. So um, they are very studied. Are they good for you? You know, the jury's out, but they definitely are functional. What's your personal feeling? <laughs> yeah, what's your, you're having like a smile on your face. What do you What do you feel about this? I'm 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 a fun guy, you know. So in the literal sense, you're I'm a fun a guy. Yeah. Or a... Yes, correct. And it's a pun. It's a mush. It's a really bad mushroom pun. Apologies. Um, so um, I'm I'm a fan, but I am not a fan of recreational use. Yeah. So we just had. I don't know if you've ever. Are you familiar with Aubrey Marcus at all? Yeah, he's a homie. Okay. Yeah. So um, we we just had him on, and we talked all about this, and so yeah. Super yeah. interested in it. Yeah. So we were talking earlier. When it comes to skin, is there specific? There's a lot. There's a very big lack of education, I would say, in the United mm -hmm. States around mushrooms and which mushrooms, right? Like you think of mushrooms, you just think of the little white ones in the grocery store, or you know, if you're at a fancy restaurant, maybe um, you know, the, the fancy ones and, and and all that. But if you're, if you were to, kind, if you were to give a tutorial to somebody who's extremely novice like myself on mushrooms, yeah, and I wanted to prepare my skin or I wanted gut health, like where would you tell me to start? Well, I think, um, do you drink coffee? I do drink coffee. I think coffee or chocolate are the easiest ways to incorporate these top mushrooms because they're very bitter. They don't taste like a normal portobello or butter mushroom. They're very, very bitter. And usually bitter is better in herbalism anyway, but it's hard to consume it on a daily basis. Like we are not wired to have bitters. Like we're not used to it. You have to teach yourself to love bitters. But the two bitters that we do love is dark chocolate and coffee generally. So I would add mushrooms like chaga and lion's mane to your coffee. That's a great way to start. And then for skin specifically, I think the whole concept of eating for beauty is 
just about to blow up. People are realizing that even though you benefit from using topical stif- stuff on your skin, you're when you do topical, you're focusing on not the root cause like of the, the skin. Yeah, well, basically, you're mostly focused on fixing something short term, but the long game is to make sure that the largest organ in your body, which is skin, has the nutrients and and has the building blocks to be beautiful and shiny. Like I sometimes go and talk here in uh, near in um, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, to William Morris, IMG, and they always like, "What do you put on your skin? What do you do?" I'm like, "Your skin is good. Nothing. Your skin <laughs> is good. That's the first thing I noticed, guys. I gotta say." And I just say it's like, what do you eat, you know? And there's few things that you can, there's a million things you could do, but it can get overwhelming. So I, I, I usually give three tips on what to do when you want to eat for beauty, right? Because there's all these expensive stuff as well. So you don't have to. One that you have to really focus on, you mentioned was gut health. Like gut is super, super linked with our brain, but also our skin. So you really want to kind of use gut health. And there's many ways there. I don't recommend expensive probiotics. They're really hard to use and you don't really get bang for your buck. But what you can do is good spices. Like you really add spices to your diet or... Um, like what? I need specifics. Cinnamon, cardamom, ginger, turmeric. Those are those are all within the most study. Add them to your, for example, to your coffee and have a little c- cinnamon or thing. And I brought you guys some uh, golden latte. So like turmeric. But those are amazing. And you just want to have spices. Spices are amazing for your gut. You don't have something expensive, something superfood. Everybody should have organic basic spices. They're not going to break your wallet at all. The second thing that I recommend is liver detox. And I'm not talking about a crazy juice cleanse. I'm kind of semi-anti against those. But like, just help your liver because your liver is really the mirror to your skin health and liver really purifies your body. So you want to get some herbs or mushrooms or things like that that really cleanse your liver which uh, what would you recommend for the liver mu- for, for out of your product like if somebody's in the grocery store and they shiitake mushrooms okay. are okay. found almost everywhere for more exotic ones i really like rishi which is the queen of mushrooms on the herbs milk thistle is pretty good shisandra berries um, dandelion leaves so probably shiitake and dandelion leaves are stuff that you can find almost everywhere and those are amazing to cleanse your liver so that's really big. And then finally, antioxidants. And it's a big word that you find everywhere and not all antioxidants are created equal, but especially antioxidants like um, melanin that is found in chaga mushroom or certain polyphenols found in cacao. So chocolate is actually one of the healthiest foods on the planet. Even coffee has antioxidants. It's the number one source of antioxidants in the American diet. So black color is really good. So. You should eat the whole rainbow, the purple and the red and the orange and all that stuff, but black especially is good for your skin. So olives, black olives, coffee, cacao, black sesame seeds, chaga mushroom, charcoal. Mushroom chocolate in front of me. Yeah. This looks so good. Yeah, so black foods for the skin. That's So gut health, give your liver a chance, <laughs> a little break, and then eat antioxidants and polyphenols, especially black foods. Okay, so out of all your products, is there something that can hit all three? Well, um, that's a very good question, all three. That kind of indicates that you do one and done, and I like to indicate that it's a lifestyle. Right. But I would say 
probably we make this chaga mocha that has coffee, cacao, and chaga mushroom. So that's probably the closest you'll get. Ooh. And uh, then you get a delicious mocha with one gram of sugar, and you also get stuff for your skin. So. Okay, that sounds right up my alley because <laughs> I'm I'm getting my skin, my gut health, my liver, my antioxidants. Yeah, that's probably it. But so let let's talk. You know, we got all these beautiful products. Sure. Let's talk about Four Sigmatic because not only are you a wealth of knowledge in the wellness space, we could go on and on, and we probably will. <laughs> but let's let's also talk about the business. Yeah. How I'm not you, in a hurry, so. Yeah, no, I'm excited. <laughs> How did you start the business? Like, what did the beginning look like for you? So, yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, I get asked all the time, is like, how do you get going? I'm sure you guys as well. And I don't think there's one way to the top of the mountain. So, there's many ways to do it. It's also good to understand, like, what kind of lifestyle do you want? So, for me, it was important to have freedom. Like, I never ended up raising, like, venture capital and going crazy. I wanted to build from day one something that even if it grew a little slower, it was like profitable, close to profitable. And that was really important for me. But then that means you do a sacrifice. So like in the beginning, I couldn't really pay myself a salary and my team didn't either get paid or they got, so they got equity and now they're, you know, solid. But in, yeah, but in, the, in, in the beginning, it was like hard, right? So you just have to decide how you did it. I moved from Switzerland, which is super expensive, to Philippines, which is not that expensive, to support the early on so I could live more affordably and then you also had to figure out the business strategy based on that but <clears throat> for me it was important that we could build products that were authentic and there would be nobody controlling the integrity of the product that was really important and my vision was also so big or crazy or however you want to say it is like i wanted everybody to drink mushrooms for example and that's not something that five six years ago somebody would like, oh that's obvious if you just get people to... it was so out there and some of the best entrepreneurial ideas are out there but that just means that you're fighting against the masses in the beginning and you have to figure out ways how you can you know support yourself in the transition before it starts getting traction those are usually the best ideas right the ones where everyone says you're crazy or it's not a good idea like if everyone's giving you a pat on the back from the beginning i feel like you might be in a little trouble it's just counterintuitive because you want that validation but mm -hmm. you know this we and we're going to talk about this in a little bit carving out a category but i want to still stick with the beginning because there's sure. a lot of young people listening to this and trying to figure out how to start a business going way way back do you remember the first resources you had or the first like the very first steps you took to get a product in the market yeah so i would say in in the beginning, if you overly simplify, you have two things you need to do. You have production and sales. And sales doesn't mean you have to force sell it, you just find, have to find a way to test it. So production is, I would say, if you have a product business of any sort, it's usually the way, way, way harder part of it. So definitely talk to people who've been there, done that. I had expertise in formulation, but still when you make a product, you make headphones or apparel or food, the, the production ends up being where young entrepreneurs get you know burned the most either they lose money on a bad run they choose the wrong partner so definitely there ask for help right so i think asking for help is a huge thing and taking your time to you really optimize the product especially if you start and you don't have tons of resources at the end of the day marketing is kind of the tax for a bad product i'm not saying that all marketing is bad and and we do marketing but at the same time if you have an amazing product it will definitely help so much and you have to like you know so many things will be easier if you do an awesome product and product that you believe in you pumped you love it you tested multiple things so you only not only had a product that you like but you can also sell, tell 
50 products that you don't like and why you ended up in this one instead of the 50 other options. Do you have any tips for building the right team around you when you're first starting out? Yeah, um, I think, again, there's many ways to achieve it, but I think it's really, really important that you, you give your team part of the business. Like mm. as an entrepreneur, I think it's really hard sometimes because it's your baby. It doesn't mean you have to give out control, but you, if you want to have a partner, you have to give them a piece of the pie. And I think that's really, really important. It worked for Sam Walton. Yeah. Know? He did. He did all right. Yeah. I want to talk. Okay. So you, you get the business up and running. You, you figure out production, figure out marketing. But let's let's talk a little bit more about the category because at the time when you, this was a, and it still is I would say a very new category there was a lot like especially in America there's a very big lack of education around mushrooms right sure. how did you one how did you go about educating and two what were some of the hurdles defining a new category so as an entrepreneur it's easy to fall in love with your own ideas like you know it's like oh uh, or as uh, a creative uh, wait as well. what <laughs> I, that's never happened to me before I don't know what you're talking about or. <laughs> If you're a creative, like there's a saying, like kill your darlings, right? It's yeah. like, it's really, really hard. I get tunnel vision. I completely relate to what you're saying. that probably makes you an amazing entrepreneur because you can push through the vision that you had. But at the same time, sometimes it's good to take a break. So in this case, like for example, I love like adaptogens and mushrooms and stuff, but it's easy to fall in love with like the reishi mushroom, the chukai, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> but people don't care. Like they literally do not care. Here's what you do. You have five kids and you name them after your favorite mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. That's what you should do. Uh, yeah. I want a couple berries there. I want a Shisandra baby. <laughs> um, so I'm single. If there's any girls out there who want to have a Shisandra, you know, I'm just sort of Listen, joking. get out there with your skin and your yeah. mushrooms and your successful biz. I'm sure there's some girls yeah. listening that are ready to go. You want to have a Shisandra berry baby. Anyway, <laughs> what a tangent. So Blonde, what, what blue-eyed Finnish man. Like. So what I think is really useful and what was useful for me, especially being so passionate about what I do and so pumped about it, was to think about problems. Forget the solutions. Like really, what are the stuff? So instead of like me trying to hammer people as like mushrooms are awesome, which they are, still like I was like, hey, what are the problems that people have? Like lack of energy, for example. Or people love having, for example, coffee, but they get jitters and they get heartburn, right? So in Finland, we drink more coffee than any other nation in the world, about three times more than Americans, which is insane, right? And in the Second World War, we were attacked both by the Russians and the Germans, and we ran out of coffee beans. So we started brewing this mushroom that grew in our forest in a tree called chaga, and we made like a coffee substitute. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes sense. And I knew the research that it has tons of minerals and antioxidants, like a cup of chaga would equal to like 30 pounds of carotene antioxidants. And had these minerals that made it more alkaline. So combining half and half of coffee and chaga made total sense. And instead of trying to sell people this chaga mushroom they've never heard of, even if they're super health conscious maybe, it's like, hey, do you drink coffee? Yeah, do you ever get the jitters? Do you get like heartburn? Sure, like try this and feel it on your body and see how you feel. And I just think that the third cup of coffee is never a good idea. Like the first cup is a good idea and sometimes the second, but the third one never. So offering people options to wean off of coffee or reduce that third or second cup with something else. That was the way. So you try to look at what's the problem, what's the use case. There is a habit of drinking coffee. There really isn't a habit of drinking mushrooms or eating mushrooms in the society. So instead of trying to change something, you upgrade it. 
So if you're an entrepreneur and you're like, I don't care about mushrooms and this is not my thing, whatever you're doing, whatever you're passionate about, instead of trying to change the world, even though you are changing the world, think of stuff that you can upgrade or add or replace in existing habits and rituals. And if you can tap into an existing ritual, a habit, and you can improve that, your probability of succeeding goes infinitely up. The so, language I like to use is an improvement on the past, right? Because as, as individuals, nobody likes to be approached and says, hey, you need to change. You need to change your behavior. You need to change. That feels very suppressive. It feels combative, right? But if you say, hey, you're going to improve yourself, everybody loves that. Yeah. I think that's some of the best entrepreneurial advice we've ever gotten on the show. High five. Yeah, I really, really, really like that, guys. Instead of trying to introduce something new, you just look what you can make little tweaks on. So what are your, for example, your favorite brand? Like you look up to right now, anything. My favorite brand. Ooh, I love Eminence. It's a skincare mm. product. Do you know what that is or no? I'm not that good with skincare products, but okay, I love. So Eminence. what? What made them extra special? I think they did what you're saying. I think they took skincare and they made they they did little tweaks. They made it very organic. They added blueberry extract, all these different things that I had never heard of. Pomegranate. So they still do serums or moisturizers or so people already were using whatever serum moisturizer yes. and they just upped it right yes what's your uh, favorite brand or i don't know if i have like i was really trying to think about that when you when you asked i don't know if i look to a favorite brand but i think if i were to dumb it down and look about and look at brands that i respond to and respect it's tell them about the sleep mask michael well it's on a brand though there's a there's a product i like yeah, yeah but tell mask. them why you like it it's exactly what he's saying okay well it is a good example I'll, there's a sleep mask that i use it's super cheap it's like 10 bucks on amazon and it's really strange brand it's called lone throat which mm. is harder <laughs> hard to remember or pronounce but i like it because they you know the typical sleep mask lays on your eyes and mm. then you when you open your eyes like your eyelashes or your yes. eyelids scrape against the even if it's silk it doesn't it's not that comfortable and it feels like you're stuck this thing just lays on top of your eyes casually and it has like uh little globes or fly mm -hmm. eyes so you can open your eyes inside it's still pitch black and it's he wears it every night su super simple <laughs> but it's a complete improvement on something that's been done for forever and i use it every night now it's Perfect. like nothing like when i get in my lingerie and like go to the bed and you're wearing fly eyes on <laughs> yeah, your yeah, face yeah. It's... no it's true i'd, I'd be guilty I, I literally cannot see anything <laughs> let's talk about e-com a little bit you're sure. obviously very good at it what do you think is essential to an e-com brand I think um, customer first, I guess that's same for every thing, but in e-commerce you have things that are easier and certain things that are harder. And if you focus on the stuff that is easier, one of them is data. Like you can really get to know your customer. Obviously if you, if you for example, have a new food brand and you go to farmer's market, that's one way to test, but then you're still tied into certain locations, certain demographic. Now in online, you can test stuff you can split test and look at data and really look at what's actually resonating. It's not gimmicky. You just get to know your customer deeper. And I think that's really vital is from day one, you have to have the ability to look at data. For example, <clears throat> I have this great vision of a new ingredient. I'm like, ooh, this is I love. And it, I might have used it for 10 years. I'm like, I'm really into this. Da, 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 da. One of the first things I do, I go to YouTube and Amazon and look at how many people are searching that. And I'm like, snap, like nobody's searching for this food because nobody knows what it is, right? So then I'm like, how can I use it? And how do I, and then I look at what stuff people are already looking for. And using that data, I can combine with my vision on how to apply it into people's life so that it's more easily approachable, right? So I think looking at data is absolutely kind of the best part about e-commerce. And the second is the ability to tell stories. 
I mean, it's so, so hard. Important. And we are, we're sold in like Whole Foods and we're sold in like retail as well, but it's so hard in store to tell stories. Mm -hmm. and almost, you almost can't. Almost, like, almost can. Like you can put some on the packaging. Like we, one of our team members is a, is a comic book artist. So he drew like a whole cartoon inside the box and you can do stuff, but like it is, it is so hard. And then you get into shelf space dynamics and competition. Yeah. And Love so. it. So what you've done really well, though, is you've utilized podcasting so the hosts can tell their own story about your product, which is genius. Yeah. And I, look, I mean, like with anything, anything else, uh, education is is so huge. And I think podcasting revolutionizing how education works. Like I come from Finland where education is free. So even if you go to the best business school or med school, it's all free. You actually get a salary to go to school. And so I was brought up in a system where education is democratized, but then you come to the places like the US or before I lived in places like uh, the UK or France, like it gets expensive. Like not everybody has access to education, but what podcast is changing that? Everybody has access to free podcasts, right? Yeah. So you can pick the best minds, the best people in the world. And when I was starting as an entrepreneur, I didn't have access to that. I would try to get a book here and there and get that. But like now you can hear and get to know some of the best people in the world and learn from them. You still have to go and make your own mistakes, but like podcasting is so amazing. And then as a brand owner, if you wanna, if you wanna do an advertising, get the word out on your product, like what is better than authentic people you know, educating and putting it out there and also supporting this movement of podcasts, like new media in general, it's just crushing. Like we've been lucky enough to be on like fancy magazines and stuff, but it's still insane is like, I'm not gonna <laughs> talk bad about the media, but, but like we've been in huge, you know, media outlets. I'll talk bad about them. They don't, oh. they don't convert. <laughs> yeah, they, there's, yeah, there's no clicks. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, BuzzFeed had clicks, but like most of the stuff, the massive, massive, massive household names, we went on like front page of some of these and they're supposedly how they calculate is like the whole world is 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 on there. Like, oh, we have 22 million visitors every month. Like, yeah, we got four out of those. But you know what's interesting? We were, I, I, we, being on the front page of a media that supposedly gets 22 million hits and you get four, I, I don't really believe it. Then you go on sm some small podcast, it was my buddy who gets like, not nearly as successful as you and we get like you know 10,000 people finding us through that you know what it's I, I boil it like this one of my crusades I boil it down to consumer attention and the way that we behave as consumers like even if you're on a big publication on their site or you're looking through a magazine or in a commercial what do you do you either flip past you scroll down or you fast forward right yeah that's just how we're that's just how we behave as consumers now so yeah, you might have all this traffic to the site, but us as consumers, we're there for a specific thing and we're gonna go through the funnel as fast as we can to get to that thing and skip over most of the you know, the ads or the placements and or whatever. I'm I'm sure I'm not the first one to say this, but like what makes podcasts so amazing is that I can do it as a secondary activity. Like for example, I love cooking. Like I I'm made up a name for this, by the way. What is it? Passive multitasking. But Pass gone. Yeah, that's amazing actually. Can I steal that? Yeah, you can yeah. steal it. Um so I, for example, love cooking. Like I'm super, super busy running the companies, but that's kind of one of my forms of meditation. But at the same time, like sometimes I listen to music, but I sometimes feel like uh, I want to educate myself. So podcast or YouTube or whatever, those are the ways how I do it. Like I, I don't have to read and focus only on that. I can do it and absorb information and discover new stuff as well. Like some of my favorite podcasts are amazing because they curate odd personalities and people that I've never even heard of, right? So that's also the beauty is that somebody's curating 
that for you and finding new stuff that you don't even know that you're interested in. Everyone says that multitasking is bad, but I think when it's like that, when you're doing something that it's like you said, cooking's meditative for you. You're doing something that you love to do, but you're also able to consume knowledge at the same time. I think it's so funny because everyone says you're the top five people you hang out with. And I'm always like, well, I hang out with Tim Ferriss and Gary <laughs> Vee and Aubrey Marcus sometimes. Yeah. Not to get, I don't want Michael to get mad because he likes open relationships, oh, but I you know. Yeah, I think I'm hanging out with no, Aubrey too. But I, yeah. I think that you surround yourself with that knowledge all the time when you're doing passive tasks that make you happy. It's really a win-win. Yeah, and I mean, there's tons of studies on just subconscious mind and how you just start feeding, like planting seeds to that. So even if you're not actively listening, the fact that those topics get brought up to your brain, I'm sure that like long-term is a huge win. Thinking so. about... And we'll jump off this soon, but I want to get one one more gem from you with ecom, or maybe a couple of gems from you. Let's do three. When, uh, yeah, when a young, if a young person's out there, and they're like, was there a certain platform that you started? Was it like a Shopify or a WooCommerce? Because it was funny. I got a request to do to talk about ecom because mm-hmm. we were talking earlier. That's my background. Was there a certain platform you started on in the beginning that was easy to access? I know it's evolved since then, but something that someone right now could get started on if they have something to sell. Yeah, we started with a really bad woofoo form, <laughs> selling okay. and manually inputting, so I can recommend that one. Uh, Shopify is great. Like, you don't reinvent the wheel. And one thing I can say about software and platforms and tools is that always choose the one that hurts a little bit to get. Like, it's a little too expensive, and you're like, ah, oh, I can't do like. It's not like out of, it's not gonna boot you out of business, but you always choose a little bit of a better platform. That usually ends up being a better customer experience. You have less headaches in online fulfillment. Or, so like, if you're just like, can I afford this better upsell app? Or can I afford this CRM or online fulfillment things? Like get it. Like, what is unnecessary in e-com? Like when people, you're starting, you're thinking back, like what are some things you got that were like, wait, this was a complete waste of time. Like I equate this now to business cards, right? Like you've spent all this money getting a business card. So I'm like, I'm like who the hell are you going to get in front of to, to hand all these things out? Okay, side story there. I said when we started that we'll not have meetings, managers, offices, or business cards. We've broken every rule so far. The last one we broke was the business card. was like, we're not getting business cards. And then we meet this sweet guy who makes business cards out of elephant shit. And I'm like, I'm supporting you. Like you are- Literal the, elephant <laughs> shit. Yes, they made. Cause elephants, you know, eat grass and then poops out and there's fiber and you can make it. Anyway, now we have business cards as well that I never carry and use, but I wanted to support the guy who makes elephant shit business cards. What Hopefully, a great talk about birthday a gift for you, talk honey. About- I'm gonna make a birthday gift out of that for you. Uh, Ray, we're going to get some Dear Media elephant shit business cards. We'll have to clear I, it with my partner. but I think there's also sheep shit or something like that. Oh, so. I can do like a medley of sheep and elephant get together. The, if you're going to get a business card, a useless business card, make sure it's uh, sheep shit or elephant shit. I, I'm, my team ordered them. Otherwise, I would say their name because they need small businesses like that need support. So anyway, yeah. I, I can't remember it, but I'm sure if you Google, you'll find them. And um, so, but, what was well, unnecessary but, but, to ecom? But, but like, if to, someone's starting out and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to get all these different things to get my ecom business up." Like, looking back, were there some things you maybe you didn't get them, but things you could think of now? Like, you don't need that to get started. The problem with ecom is like what worked a year ago might not work now or a year from now. So, like, you have to constantly keep. I say there's like testing or drilling for oil to find like the good stuff, right? So it's kind of hard to say because of that. What is, is it from a kind of theme and principle point, like? consultants like you get approached by so many people who are e-commerce gurus and experts like first of all if you want to do business online you have to learn it you don't have to become the best in the world but you have to understand it there's no shortcut like you have to talk understand 
the process and the concept. So you cannot outsource that if that's your core. Like you can find talent later. So that's one thing is like a lot of people like start like hiring agencies and all that stuff. Not to say that some agencies are not good, but if you end up going with an agency, really find the one that suits your scale and size and know-how and then really build a relationship with them. Don't just be like totally outsourced and off. Like the times when we've worked with someone, it's the best when we're even more active on that topic and then we learn from them and they learn from us and it's really a partnership. But really the outsourcing compound, uh, the style, I not a fan so i'm like, not a fan either my agency friends are going to get pissed um but this is a good tip it's, i've never said this before but go and approach some of the bigger agencies and ask them for a proposal or scope of work and see what they propose and then go don't go with them but go learn everything they're talking about right like if it's ux design or yep. optimization all that stuff like go do the research yourself but you can use those proposals and this is people are get pissed but you can <laughs> yeah. use those proposals to figure out what you need to learn and i agree like if, if you just have somebody saying all this stuff that's foreign to you right and language that you don't understand then they're you're, they're going to be in a position to take advantage of you 100 percent, and especially like with data you can lie or misrepresent data so many ways in e-commerce and, and online so like you really need to know what's the truth because if you don't know the truth you don't know what you're improving so you almost and, have to become a practitioner of every facet in your business totally you need to know the language like if they speak a foreign language and that's when you can get fooled but at the same time you can also miss out on opportunities on partners that could really move the needle for you so i'm very interested in this store that you have so you did a store but it, you can't buy anything there it's all free explain the mentality behind that because i'm sure it's something really interesting well um we have a shroom room it's in venice beach california on abakini and we're looking to expand that so we bought a school bus that we're converting into a a mushroom mobile that will travel around the country serving free drinks coming soon to your uh, town or village near you and uh the concept is like all the drinks are free so you can come there and we'll make you a free drink but what's your why for that so there's actually three reasons why we did that first reason the most important reason can i curse yeah because no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. we fucking wanted to <laughs> so the first reason the fucking benefit, love it when you are an entrepreneur like one of the reasons i think you become an entrepreneur is also to like live the lifestyle that you want to live like have the freedom and the freedom to do what you want and if you can in like early days you can't do stuff because like you're broke but like when you have a little bit of resources, if you can do shit you want to do, you should do them just because like it's fun, right? That's why it was fun for us. My friend Tini has had a shop handle only with love like there for years. I would go and hang out there, see friends. It was like a community, right? And Kinney and like many other places that are becoming popular get like gentrified and there's more like there's fancy fashion stores and whatnot. So like having a good old school showroom room there is like, Kind of what I call the judo move, like use the energy, the opposing energy for your benefit. And so that's the reason number one. Second is that I truly, 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 truly believe that our products are the bomb and they work. And even if it's not our products, I believe in the healing power of mushrooms so much. And I've seen it for years and so many different facets. So I just want to spread that word and people to try it. And if that's the barrier of, of people to try it, that it costs money, here, take it for free. Like if you feel it, like, then a dollar a day or two dollars a day, whatever, is not going to be a problem. So, I mean, in a way, it's kind of like a drug dealing mentality, but for good, right? Like you just give people the chance to try it. And then third reason is that the problem with online long term, which we've not yet faced, but I see that in the future, is like emotionally connecting with people. So 
online you can scale stuff you can do da, 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 da. but i want to build an iconic brand an iconic thing that will change the world to be a better place which a lot of entrepreneurs say that right but in order to achieve that i think you have to connect with people in person i love online use online Community. all that stuff but you need this like what we're doing right now connecting in person right and it's so much more impactful and unfortunately we work with some really good retailers but still it's so hard with the whole foods of the world and so expensive to really connect and you can't really control the experience yourself so why just not do your own shop and you can buy product at home if you want to take a whole bag of stuff and then you can buy it there but you can also buy it online somewhere else like you can buy it on amazon or go somewhere on a website or whatever but there, you know, we're not take tips or anything. The whole point is just to educate and teach and share. I always say that when I launch Skinny Confidential product that I want a storefront and not because I want to sell shit. It's because one, I think the advertising too that you get from the storefront is incredible. And two, you like you just said, you can meet the community and you can actually engage face to face. That's so important in this world. How do you run your social media? Do you run it yourself? Do you have a team? Well, I, my personal social media is is a joke. Basically, I have a, I've never been on Facebook. Wait, what's your personal social media in case there's any single girls out there that want to name their kid after a berry? <laughs> Blow it up the DMs. Wait, yeah. what's the berry name again? I might name Shisandra. my firstborn then. Shisandra. Shisandra. That's you, a pretty name. Yeah, I think it's too. too. Sh- what if you ran into us and you met Shisandra Bostick? Is that how you say it? I won't steal Own your, it. I will not I'm steal your berry name. <laughs> I promise. I have a lot of berry names. So if you take that berry name, I can do Cloudberry <laughs> or Lingonberry. I don't know. Um, so I am Taro, T-E-R-O, and I basically post mostly bad da- dad jokes and mushroom puns. That's that's my niche. But we actually have a company for Sigmatic, and I put out content there, educational stuff. And now we have this sweet girl, Celeste, and she helps because like right now, in just in the last few years, social media has become almost like a customer service. Like we get so many DMs from so many amazing people. Like it's not just about posting. It's actually five percent posting and 95 percent engaging right which is awesome but it just takes a lot of time so we have this beautiful team of people who really live the lifestyle they shop at erwan and they go to places they know all the products not just our products but like the whole thing and they can really answer questions that people have is like hey can i combine these two what about this and that and they can actually reply really cool at this point if anyone wants to go foraging out there at tarot yeah (laughs) Yeah. anyone wants a foraging date (laughs) at this point with the business it's massively successful distribution everywhere e-com going well storefront what still what keeps you motivated now as an entrepreneur like what is what is the thing that keeps you going now because you've got it built out and of course it's going to keep progressing but what's what's keeping you going that's a very good question because i feel like um there's certain dopamine rushes that you get as an entrepreneur like the first retailer like the first hire the like you know you get that fancy story on vogue or something like that and you're like ooh, that's nice you know but like those don't really last don't they and and we get a lot of amazing customer feedback that like reading i still spend probably an hour a day reading customer comments and feedback because like that's what really drives me on top of that what i found recently like is is really like working with the team is like something that i really personally enjoy it's not for everyone and i'm not like the best people leader but i really like helping and teaching and coaching like i always felt that i was like i would have been a good middle school teacher or something like that and uh, that's what i enjoy with our team so my team is many ways infinitely smarter than i am but at the same time i can provide some of the pic- picture stuff and obviously the product information and i really enjoy that the second thing i l- love doing is outlandish shit 
like that's just something it's like a rebel in me i like i love figuring out stuff that it's not allowed or you can't do what's so, the most recent one well the bus is probably the most recent one is like you shouldn't do probably do that kind of stuff but um um this fall i'm making a children's book about psychedelics which is combin- that is amazing <laughs> so actually i've not told that anywhere i don't my team is probably gonna get mad that i said that but it's coming and uh so i love doing stuff like that like that is not allowed you're not gonna be single for long <laughs> children's <laughs> book about psych- this, uh, what is the we don't have, i know you don't want to get too detailed but what is the motivation behind that uh i think it's there's a beautiful story and i think you can approach something that are difficult and you can approach you shouldn't hide stuff from children i'm not saying that this is for like toddlers but like you want to talk openly about difficult things anyway there's a there's a whole philosophy around that so i love doing outlandish shit and then finally now that we have a team i can get back even more into product development so i really that's that's kind of like where i started and that's what i love so working on new recipes and you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find the prince also on the product development side and i love doing that and you know overdosing on something and then realizing that you shouldn't eat that and making horrible flavors they have to flush through the toilet because it's so so garbage but i love that process so those are probably the three things i'm currently enjoying the most what's a mistake that you made along the way that at the time it felt devastating but it was later revealed to be a blessing yeah i think the first time when you have to let go someone especially if you care for them as a human being which that's always happened that's really really hard and also acknowledging the fact that when you're starting out and you're scrappy, will those people be there five years later? It's also like, that's really, really hard, especially when you care for those people. But at the same time, when you think of like, you're preventing them from finding the job that is actually suited for them, right? So that's, I think that's the hardest because there's more, there's emotions and feelings and friendships involved. And sometimes those friendships take a little, like a little hit but you can only do is approach it with honest integrity but those are really really difficult um have you hired friends and family a lot yeah so, so have we <laughs> and sometimes it works yeah, like, sometimes either super it rewarding work. or it, maybe it doesn't work yeah it's very binary yeah, yeah. i want to be careful because we still have some no <laughs> we have the, the ones we have are great right my now. best employees are friends for sure and the ones who were not friends before they now they become your friends right so i think it can definitely work but like the criteria is slightly different it's like a venn diagram there is a point where they meet but at the same time they don't always connect so that's definitely a mistake uh, i've done and then i would say over committing is also as an entrepreneur oh, please easy. talk on this i need some help um when you are entrepreneur or if you just type a personality or you have a big dream you sometimes you know you bite too much and and sometimes what happens is not the fact that you can't deliver on it because you work hard and you're passionate but sometimes you some of the polishing is not there right so you don't have enough time to edit and fine-tune the last mile and usually at the last mile is where the most value is derived and you already want to get to the next thing so it's partly like for me it's like just hiring people who can help with some of that polishing but also like pacing myself because life of an entrepreneur is not like what can you done this week like or next month it's really it's it's a long long ass journey 
and having the patience to kind of polish and fine tune. At the same time, you cannot make it perfect. You gotta put it on the market and ask for customer feedback and that's fine. But maybe that balance is where I've done a lot of mistakes and then over committing and then it's not that the business suffers necessarily, but it's like, then you start to know social life. You realize that some of your best friends, you haven't seen them in three months, you know? And that can happen and that's not healthy. Uh, I've never had problems with like exercise or eating healthy on the side, but I know some people struggle with that. It's more like, for me, it's like not seeing friends as often as I would hope and then over committing and then not polishing certain things as much as they should be polished. As a business owner or creative, because you're putting yourself out there or type A personality entrepreneur, you have to, in my opinion, develop thick skin, mm. right? And you do develop thick skin as you're, as you're in the process. How do you, at this point, how do you deal with setbacks? Um, or where does your mind go? Well, that's where the shrooms enter the game. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, so there's many kinds of setbacks. So I feel like as an entrepreneur, you definitely build thick skin for mistakes. There's a risk and war thing. Like if you don't take risk, you're not going to get anything done. So you have to like put yourself out there. And I'm comfortable with that problem. Like it stings a bit, but it's like the good sting, right? And that's not a problem. It's more when you don't follow your own principles and values. Sometimes when you catch yourself and those are the stuff like, ah, I knew better, you know? It's those are the places when you're like, hey, I knew that this is not what I wanted. Those hurt. And those are you just have to take them in you just have to kind of like meditate on them however you do it i also like saturday sundays going for a long hike and those are the usually when i reflect that like oh i fucked up big time there you know but then when you take a deliberate risk for example if i'm how long does that conversation occur in your head um, until you move on normally i'm i can do that in about two hours of like hiking and then i get hungry and then i forget it (laughs) maybe that's a guy thing uh but then few times it will like literally last for months like you 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 know um but like most of the time like you go for a hike with an empty stomach on a saturday morning and then two hours of hiking and thinking about it then you get hungry and they're like okay time to move on i'm gonna send you on a hike next time you get grumpy make sure my belly's full yeah (laughs) how would you define a failure um well that's a great thing because like if you find something you test something and you find out that it's not converting or working is that's not really a failure it's i think probably when you don't live to your truth so like some of my core philosophies in life is living my own life in my own way not someone else's life in my way or my life in some other person's way it's my life my way and then seeing the truth and accepting it so i think those are the times and third one is reacting to negative with positive so if any of those three i don't achieve that's to me it's a temporarily mistake or failure so for example if i don't accept the truth like i see it but i fight it that's to me that's failure the fact that if i make a mistake somewhere that's not really a problem so if i don't live to my truth and that's that's where I think failures happen. When you say fighting a uh, negative with a positive, can you elaborate there? Yeah, I mean, the classic example is probably like road rage or <laughs> something like that. Somebody in LA, there's a lot of bad drivers. And then the you're- The worst. Yeah, and- uh, Are you taking notes here, honey? Yeah. Mental so, notes. Good. So like, how can you have compassion? And also sometimes you meet people that do bad things, especially in big cities. I feel like there's like, a lot of light but a lot of darkness right and la is a prime example of that and when you meet that darkness it's often easy to be judgy 
like my spirit animal is definitely a cat so i'm like judging in the corner sometimes so like how to respond to that with compassion because you don't know what shit they've gone through that day or in their life maybe you know what happened in their childhood what happened today and why they that so like you don't know so having compassion doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them because maybe that behavior that they're demonstrating is not aligned with your values but at the same time you can always have compassion so that's like what i try to practice i'm nowhere near perfect but like i try to practice that and if i catch myself really not doing that at all that is a failure do you apply that to if you have a negative a customer review do you kind of fight that with positivity yeah i actually thrive of negative reviews for product development i actually think that's back to the e-com one of the best things you can do is if there's an incumbent in your category if you sell t-shirts or if you sell headphones or if you sell whatever phone covers and you go and look at what's selling a lot go look at two things one look at the one star reviews and look at what they're doing incorrectly and genius but secondly look at three star reviews because those people usually wanted to love the product and there was something in the product or service that they loved but something they left them unsatisfied and those are ways to learn for example with us like right now we get negative certain negative reviews on certain packaging we created this new tin and it was like the wrong size and it like sucked like it was just straight up was not where it was supposed to be back to the polished the product is dope but like the packaging was not correct. So those all those negative comments, like we like contact those people and say when when we've fixed it, it's like, hey, now it's fixed, right? So I think that's an opportunity. And I think that's one of the best things about doing e-commerce is getting candid feedback. And real feedback. I, I think like that is probably the biggest, one of the biggest gems with e-com is you really have access. Like, you know, if you sell something in a store, you don't know what the experience was after that. With e-com, someone can write in and say, hey, I really didn't like this. And instead of being offended by that, you have an opportunity to fix it and then rectify it with the customer. And 100%. And there's always like haters, but like people that are not in your target audience. And sometimes when you market, like you, you market to an audience that was mostly for you, but also some that were not. So like, that's not the end of the world. You just find out that you narrow the scope and you find out who's your true customer and who's your true fan. And that's also totally okay. You don't learn as much from, from there. Like, oh, I didn't, I don't like any coffee. Well, that, well, that's not, we, you know, you can't do anything about that. Right. Yeah. So well, you can uh, tell when someone's a bridge troll, right? For sure. And that's totally different, but especially that's why I love like the three star review or two star review is like those are the kind of the gems really they were trying to give you some honest feedback so that you could help them improve. yeah because they didn't slam you they're like i really wanted to like this but xyz and how it's like, do you when when, when that ha- when that happens after that that process happens you get that feedback how do you then rectify it with the customer you reach out personally or you reach out email or send them something like what depends do you, what if do you they do? buy from amazon or they leave it on social media because they bought it at whole foods or if they buy our website depends how easy it is to contact them we try to reply to all of them. Um, we don't like, for example, outsource or customer service to Philippines or something. By the way, you live there, love them. That's not a hit against them, but like we really have people that are really knowledgeable. And we refund fully if you're not happy. We send you free product of something else. Maybe you didn't like the flavor. We send you something else for free. Like, And if after that you're not happy, we feel that it's okay, you know? So we try to contact them and do our best that we can. And like, I can't take any of that credit except like finding this amazing person who built that team for us. And she was our first female hire and first hire in the US. And she was just, she's just amazing, like just cares. Like she's 
hundred million percent in caring and all the other stuff she's learned, but she just cares so much. And she hired people that also cared. Like she said no to job candidates that didn't care. So like she holds this high standard on caring. And do they make mistakes? I'm sure, but like she just cares. And that's what you need in customer service, I think. So at this point, we've talked about failure. We've talked about mistakes. We've talked about e-com. We've talked about getting started. How do you f- define success now? Well, this is the same thing that the opposite of failure, I think. Uh, I think what is fascinating for me is like what is not success, like money, power, fame. Okay. So those are, to me, are not success. Agreed. They're, they can be hygiene factors. For example, if you don't make X amount of money, depending on the city and where you live and if you have children or not, and there's factors, but if you don't have that baseline, you will be unhappy. After reach, achieving that baseline, depending on the case, what it is, it's not really going to add a lot of value, right? It's, and there's so many examples of that. It doesn't mean that money's bad, but that does not success. Um, like fame, like attention, like it feeds ego and keeps you going, but you, that's not going to forever motivate you. It's like, it's going to, it's going to wear you down. So what does actually, it's like purpose, meaning, um, it's like the most classic books out there, but I think it's a short read, very useful is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search of Meaning. Have you guys read it's that? One, it's, I've read it multiple times. One of the best books and I keep it on my phone and my iPad. You've never told me about that book. I've read, and I've read passages to you. He survived, he survived Auschwitz. So, oh, you have read passages and, out of that and book. And that book is insane. And that book is, was not even supposed to be published or anything. Like, you cannot write that book ever again. So what happened is that one of the top three people in psychotherapy, the Austrians, Freud, Frankel, and then uh, Adler. And this guy, when he got was forced into a concentration camp, was already the top minds in psychotherapy. So he experienced it himself, but also from the eyes of a professional. So when something happened, he could dissect that from the point of being an expert in the human mind and psyche. And when he came out, he just like almost like scribbled his thought. It's not a big book actually, but there's some so fundamental things to anything you ever do. I think that's just like the one of the books of books. And it's not a long read and you can read the experts if you just sometimes we go and look at a quote and we just oh that was nice but like the benefit of reading and sitting down is that you really think about what he says or in the book whatever book it is you learn and i think that's one of the most fundamental books and what creates success is meaning for sure one of the thing one of the passages in that book that still gives me chills is when he talks about the best of them not making it out of the camp right like in studying human behavior and all the atrocities that they had to overcome and, and some things that you had to do to survive through that can be saying like the best people in there, the, the, you know, to the core didn't make it out of there. And that's, it's chilling for sure. Um, let's talking about books. Let's, you know, we're getting close to the end here. What are go-to products, go-to resources, things you recommend? Maybe something that helps you with your morning, your night. Yeah, I'm, um, I have a love-hate relationship with morning routines and evening routines because I think we all get bombarded by a million things. We have to be amazing, boyfriends, girlfriends, daughters. We have to do business. We have to know languages. We have to travel. We have to be cool. And and I think like if you have the right type of morning routine and evening routine, it's, it keeps you in check. But the problem, I feel like, is then you easily, if you have a two-fixed routine, you forget to connect with your intuition and how you feel. Like if you always do the same thing, maybe one day you don't wanna have that morning smoothie that you always have, or maybe you don't wanna meditate, like you also listening to your body, right? But I have like three themes that I really try to do that are fairly easy. One is hydration, duh, you know, it's like, 
I always try to hydrate in the morning and there's different ways to achieve that, but that's like kind of the first thing I do. Um, is that with water for you? Or is there like a water and lemon? Do you have a product that you use? Water and lemon with a pinch of salt is great if you don't have access to spring water. So I think that's great. I use a lot of herbs. Herbs are like kind of my herbalism is kind of my insurance policy. I've now been like 10 and a half years without ever being one day sick. And I wow. fly like historically like 40 to 60 times a year. Where do we get these herbs? <laughs> well, well, you can, <laughs> now you're really going to get hit up in the DMs because yeah. I mean, I don't know who doesn't want herbs. Listen, if I don't have to be sick for 10 years, I'll yeah, do whatever what do you, the fuck What are you these say. herbs? Yeah, well, herbs and mushrooms and stuff. Like I, I test out things and, and it's a whole nother conversation. I need to come back then with the children's <laughs> book and we can talk about herbs for not getting sick. But so, uh, so hydration is key, but I hydrate slightly differently. Sometimes I do have calories in the morning. Sometimes I fast, but like I try to listen to my body if I'm hungry or not, if the hunger is just a habit forming, but I always like hydrate. That's really important. Um, the other thing I do is, is essentially like light movement. I used to like work out really hard in the morning and just is not for me. Um, so I like go into fresh air and I start stretch. Um, but there's some sort of movement in the morning. It doesn't have to take long. It's not that difficult. And then I connect. And mostly I've been connecting with my mom. Like, it's kind of like I realized that my parents are getting older, you know, and they're like starting to forget stuff and, you know, their hands start shaking and stuff. So I FaceTime my mom pretty much every morning and I talk with her like five minutes. And that's like one way. But you could also connect in other ways. Sometimes you have like a breakfast meeting or you see your friend or you go for a walk or sometimes work out with a friend in the morning and that's fun. Have sex. Yeah. Well, I'm working on that. Well, <laughs> at this point, ladies, successful business owner, oh my God, yeah. blonde hair, tall, Great blue skin. eyes, calls his mother. Before we go, I do want to talk about Four Sigmatic because I've been talking to your your team and, and they, they were nice enough to uh, create an offer for our listeners. I started with the mushroom coffee. That's how I, I listened to Tim Ferriss' show, like I, I told you earlier. And, you know, I... I that's when I started trying it and I did it for about a month because I was having a lot of issues with coffee. I had like an adrenal gland thing going. If someone was new to your brand and they wanted to pick a, pl a place to start, where would you tell them to start? Um, I'll give a few options. So if you're listening and you struggle with sleep, I know it's the least sexy topic out there. We make an amazing uh, healthy hot cocoa evening time that helps you sleep deeper with reishi mushroom and cinnamon and cardamom. That's like, where I'm going to start. It's like a healthy organic Swiss mist that helps you sleep deeper, hopefully. So that's one is probably one, but I know a lot of people don't find sleep that sexy. So coffee with lion's mane helps you kind of like have more cognitive function. And that's probably, that's probably the jam. And then uh, we make a turmeric latte that's good for the skin and then we make like for example a chai latte that is good for gut health so those are caffeine free options in the afternoon so once you've already had too much caffeine and you just need something to kind of calm you know energy without the stimulation like a chai latte or golden latte might be fun options okay cool so uh to try that go to foursigmatic.com slash skinny and use promo code skinny for 15 percent off that's f-o-u-r sigmatic s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c Dot com and skinny and tarot you're a boss thank you for coming on the show Thanks one more time your instagram handle <laughs> pimp yourself out oh my god i'm like and we're gonna blushing. put this in the, we're gonna put this in the show oh notes. my god i'm like blushing i'm finished people are shy i am tarot t-e-r-o and your company uh four sigmatic yeah four sigmatic f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c
Thank you for coming on. I can't wait to drink all the magical mushrooms. And we're coming to take a ride on the bus. Guys, do you want a short email from the Skinny Confidential? Tipsy Thursday is a quick email with tons of value that includes five tips from me. My favorite song of the week, show, book, wellness tip, random tricks, and of course, lots of easy beauty hacks. It's super short, straight to the point, kind of like a TSC little Aperol spritz for you. To check it out, go to theskinnyconfidential.com and click Lauren Everett's, then subscribe. Drop your email in the box and you'll get the next one. Lastly, as always, if you rate and review the podcast, please, please, please screenshot it. Email it to asklauren at theskinnyconfidential.com and we will send you my five top beauty hacks straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you guys want to check out at Woo for Play, which is an all natural coconut lube that's made up of four ingredients, organic coconut oil, beeswax, a little stevia, and a tiny bit of vanilla, go to wooforplay.com and enter code him and her at checkout. Again, that's wooforplay.com, promo code him and her for 20% off plus free shipping. I promise it'll keep the bedroom nice and spicy. And again, if you missed the offer from Tarot and Four Sigmatic, go to foursigmatic.com slash skinny. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash skinny. And then promo code skinny for 15% off all orders. Enjoy.